Um, I'm Malcolm, one of the leaders here. If you're a visitor, then I hope you feel welcome. Um, I hope everyone uh, noticed the, the hedge out front that Barry organised the council to cut this week. Yeah, and miracles do happen. We've even got the potholes in uh, Monpool's Road done. So thank you, Barry, for organising the potholes. Uh, and good morning to um, everyone on Zoom too. Uh, thank you also to the worship band. Uh, that was great this morning. Well, I don't know actually. It wasn't one of their best mornings, was it? I'm sure I heard a few duff notes from John there, and Barry was one note ahead of all the others as usual, and Gary, well, at least he wasn't singing the ladies' part this time, and I don't like to criticise my wife, but to be honest, they're not that great, are they? Still, they're all we got, I suppose, so I guess we better let them carry on. Sorry, did I say that out loud? Now, okay. You know I don't mean it, of course I don't. Um, our band are fab and they're doing a great job of helping us to worship our God. But today we are looking at the theme of encouragement. And how encouraging did that sound? John, did what I just said make you feel like wanting to play again next week? No. No. <laughs> Gary, did it make you feel like putting in all that effort for the practice? No. Vicky, did it make you feel like you're doing a good job? No. Yes. So, do we think encouraging works? Well, hold that thought. Now, first, a little question for you all to see if you're paying attention. What is our theme at Harefield this year? Please, someone. Shout it out. John, what's our theme this year? Hill climbing for beginners. Thank you. And anyone know what this series is that I'm starting today? There's a bit of a clue on the wall. Very good, you're observant. And today's talk is Make Good Progress. It's about encouragement. And during the talk, I'd like you to be thinking of who in this room might need some encouragement or who you think you'd like to thank. So yes, what we're doing for the next four weeks is we're looking through the two books of Thessalonians in the Bible. And one of the main messages of these two books is to encourage the church of Thessalonica to keep on keeping on. And when you're climbing hills, you need to keep on keeping on, don't you? See, there is a link there. Now, don't worry, we're not reading every word of the two books. But if you do want to do a little light homework, it wouldn't take long for you to read through both Thessalonica's this week. Just a hint. Today, I'm going to be looking through chapters 1, 2 and 3. Now firstly, just to set the scene, Thessalonians 1 and 2 were written by the Apostle Paul round about AD 51. So we're talking about 20 years after Jesus left the earth. And they are letters written to the churches in the city of Thessalonica, which is in modern day Greece. Um, I need to turn this on, don't I? And... If I can get this thing to go. I have just turned it on. Maybe. Aha. So, that is Thessalonica. Um, see, it does exist in real life. Um, has anyone been there by, by any chance? No one. John, not even one of your, your cruises have been anywhere near Thessalonica. I thought someone here would have been there. Um, anyway, at the time, 
This city was a busy port on the sea. It was a regional capital city, it was an important trade and communication centre, and it had about 200,000 residents. So it was a happening, bustling place. And the church there was new. It was founded by Paul himself. And how he did that is uh, in Acts. It's in Acts 17. This really isn't working. Could you move on? Thank you. I'll signal. So, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonia, Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So a church is born. And quite a diverse one too. Look at that. Jews, Greeks and prominent women. But then Acts goes on to say that the Jews who hadn't been convinced by Paul, they rounded up some dodgy characters, they started a riot and tried to get Paul and Silas in front of their mob. Now this wasn't going to end well, so the church members sneaked them away from Thessalonica and off they went elsewhere. All very dramatic. Now, we're not too sure how long Paul had been there before he had to escape, but clearly he didn't get as much time there as with this new church as he'd wanted. So that could be why he later wrote these two letters to them, to continue his teaching. Now let me read a couple of sections from Thessalonians to give you a flavour of these first few chapters. So this is chapter 1, and as I read, please think about today's theme of encouragement. So Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we don't need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. And moving on to a bit of chapter 3. Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. 
For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Hey, that's not bad, is it? If we in Harefield received a letter like that from, say, the Pope, we'd feel pretty good, wouldn't we? Paul is being very encouraging. He liked what the church had done, how they had grown in their faith, and he was keen to tell them that. And to be honest, if I were writing a letter to you lot, there's a lot I could commend about Harefield too. I'd say you, Harefield, are loving. So many people say that when they walk in the door. Harefield, you worship the Lord well and you encourage others to grow closer to God. You, Harefield, are involved in feeding the hungry in Harlow through the work of the food bank. You get churches together in Harlow and you encourage the leaders of all those churches. You actively spread the word of good news of God through the team going out in the shopping centres. You have an active kids' work and you support town-wide kids' events. You give your building to helping the needy through the Maybury Open Door. You support each other financially when individuals need help. You support mission around the world, financially and in prayer. You have people giving their lives to Jesus and being baptised. You pick up litter around the place. I could go on. Now that's not to say there's nothing we can work on here, or that we get everything right. But you know, you're not doing bad guys. And I hope you feel encouraged by that. Think of all the good things that are going on here. But to receive a letter from the Apostle Paul with so many positives, well that would have really bored the church, wouldn't it? Paul was encouraged by the church and he was in turn encouraging them. It's like a virtuous circle as they say. So how are you at encouraging people? If you rated yourselves out of 10, how would you be? Now I confess, I wouldn't wouldn't score, score very high. It's just not my natural tendency. I know I'm quicker to criticise than to encourage. I find it easier to pick holes than to praise. And if you've noticed that in me, uh, because I've not praised you for something you've done, or I've nitpicked, then I'm sorry. Having said that, if I do say, well done to you, then you know that is high praise indeed. Now when I talk about encouragement, what do I mean exactly? Is it just saying well done to someone, praising them. I'd like you for the next 30 seconds to talk to the person next to you. I know that's, um, that's a bit dramatic, isn't it? But talk to the person next to you. What do you reckon the difference is between praise and encouragement? And can you give an example? You've got 30 seconds. All right, have you all got that decided? So, all right, I only said 30 seconds, come on. Would someone like to give, a, uh, give their opinion as to what the difference between praise and encouragement is? 
Anyone brave enough? Go on. Stuttles, have you got an answer? Oh, the RE teacher. Right, okay. <laughs> okay, any other thoughts, anyone? Go on, someone say. Yep. Yep. Praise is a response. Some. So encouragement, yep, seeing a need, yeah, okay. Well, I think praise and encouragement isn't necessarily the same thing because I may go to a show or a concert and say, that's bri- it was brilliant, and that's praise. But that's kind of the end of it, isn't it? There's no expectation of anything in the future, whereas encouragement has the aim of improving the person that you encourage so that they're then spurred on to greater things. Now, that could include praising them for what they've done so far, but there is that expectation that they're going to move on from there and do even better next time. And we all need encouragement, don't we? Now, listen to this research carried out with with school kids uh, in 2017. School children who receive words of encouragement from a teacher are significantly more likely to continue their education beyond the age of 16 than those who don't. The influence of teacher encouragement appears to be much greater on students whose own parents never progressed past compulsory education, which is an important indicator of a less advantaged background. For students from these backgrounds, encouragement increased entry into post-16 education from just over half to around two-thirds. The research found that encouragement from a teacher has the greatest influence on those students most likely to be on the margin of university attendance. Teachers are often relegated to course deliverers and classroom managers in the policy discussions around further education. That's a mouthful, isn't it? However, it's clear that teachers have more forms of influencing inequality than is currently appreciated, said that study author. When people speak of a positive school experience, they frequently cite a personal relationship with a teacher and the encouragement they were given. And the bottom bit says, the importance of that teacher-student connection can get lost in the midst of exam statistics or the heat of political debate. Any teachers here recognise that? Yeah? See, you're doing a valuable job, you teachers. And it's true, isn't it? Do you remember your school days and your teachers? Some of us have further back, or well remembered, because some of us have further back to remember than others, don't we? Do you remember the teachers that were encouraging, or perhaps the ones that weren't? Um, Now, I remember a school report I got when I was, I think I was about 15. And I say I can remember it, but actually there's only one line that I remember from this report. And uh, my form tutor wrote, Malcolm will never be a leader, but... Now, I can't even remember the rest of that sentence. He did end it with something positive, and he wasn't trying to be nasty. I think he thought he was being positive, but 35 years later, the only thing I remember was, Malcolm will never be a leader. And that has scarred me for life. Thank you. No, it hasn't really. I just wanted your sympathy. But, you know, every now and then, that line has come back to me, 
perhaps when I've been in kind of leadership situations here, at work, either here or at work or in scouts, where I'm a, a scout leader, you know, I think, well, was, was my teacher right after all? What am I doing here? Now, I know really that it's probably more likely this guy barely knew me. And he just wrote about how he saw me in the class. He probably didn't remember writing it five minutes later, but it stayed with me for 35 years. On a more positive note, I also remember my granddad speaking to me around about the same age. And I remember him saying how proud of how I was growing up he was. Now, I certainly didn't feel like a great teenager, but to get his kind of seal of approval, it meant a lot to me. And again, I still remember that. So what we say is powerful, isn't it? Especially if we say things to children. Another example. Have I mentioned before that I do the Harlow Park Run? Somehow it seems to feature in most of my talks these days. It's just that running races has so many metaphors and lessons in it. And you can see why Paul used it as one of his pictures in Christian life. So yes, I do the Harlow Park Run, not every week, but it's five kilometres, at three laps around the town park, Saturday mornings. Here's me looking at my peak fitness. Look at that. Like a mountain goat. I've probably just been overtaken by Kevin Smith over there, or more likely lapped, actually. And here's a little-known fact. John here, his daughter Becky does the park run. But not only that, she started up the third-ever park run in Canada. Here's a little bit of fame for you. Anyway, as you run around the park, there's about five places where you could make a wrong turn if you didn't know where you were going. And in those places, they put marshals. And these marshally people don't just stand there pointing you in the right direction. They cheer everyone on. They clap you. They encourage you. You're doing well. Keep going. Great running. Mind the dog poo. Now, they, they've not got a clue who I am. And they do the same to everyone who passes them, but they cheer you on personally as if they do know you. And cynical me, I think, they don't really mean it. They don't care about me. I don't need that. I'm, I'm going to keep going at the same pace whether they're encouraging me or not. I'm not going to be swayed by all that mind trickery. And yet, I am. It actually does have an effect. You know, Maybe I can't actually speed up much because I'm shattered by then, but when my mind is thinking, this is getting tough, wouldn't it be nice to stop right now? And a marshal calls out, you're doing great, keep going. Then I actually do dig a little deeper into my reserves. I do put that thought of stopping out of my head and I carry on. I keep on keeping on. There was one time a runner, another runner overtook me and he said, well done Malcolm, keep going. And I hadn't got a clue who he was. I was racking my brains for how he, how he knew me. Which aspect of my life was he from? Did I know him from church? Did I know him from scouts? Did he live near me or work? And then I remembered I was wearing this T-shirt. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I've started to encourage others on the run. Sometimes if I overtake someone, I'll say, keep going, you're doing well. Sometimes I wonder whether that is, is good psychology when you've just overtaken them. Um, but when I finish the run, I'll perhaps go back and, and cheer others on for a few minutes. So I've learned encouraging words do work. And wherever you are, if you hear people spurring you on and praising your work, you will feel good. You will want to go that extra bit further. 
It may, may not be while you're on a 5K run. Well, there are a few people here do that, do them. But maybe it's at work, so you get a kind word from your boss. Maybe it's at home from your spouse or your parents. And maybe it's in church. And we do have some great encouragers in this church, and we have had in the past too. Now, I'm not going to embarrass people by mentioning names, but I expect lots of us have had texts or emails or words from certain people here. Even I often get a thank you after a talk, even if I feel it wasn't deserved. So you encouragers out there, you're great, keep it up. And say, perhaps the next time you're in a shop and a checkout person's wearing a badge that says in training, they might be going a bit slow, but how about encouraging them? Don't get angry with them if they make a mistake. Tell them they're doing great. When you're working late in the office and the cleaner comes in, don't complain about getting out of the way while they're hoovering. Thank them and ask them how, how their day's gone. When you're in town and see and bump into the MP canvassing, you may not agree with Halfen's politics, but thank him for what he does for Harlow. Now, there's lots of everyday ways we can encourage others, isn't there? Now, we've talked about encouraging others, and we should do that. That's great. But so far, what we've talked about could be said by anyone in this world. It doesn't have to be in church. There are places where humanists meet, atheists, and they have kind of non-church services. And most of what I've said so far could be preached to atheists without causing any offence. There's nothing particularly magic about it. It's kind of common decency that anyone would do or could do. Although, to be honest, the world does sometimes take encouragement too far. You know, go for it, you can be anything you want. Just put your mind to it and you can conquer the world. I did it my way. Seize the day. There's no stopping you. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. You're worth it. Now, I googled encouragement, and I'll be honest, there's all sorts of trite rubbish out there. There you go. You have the power within you to do whatever you choose. You have the power within you to be and achieve anything. Well, I'm sorry. That's just not realistic. I'd like to be a racing driver, but you encourage me all you like. It's never going to happen, is it? So let's keep things in balance here. There is truth in the fact that encouragement works, and we should be encouraging others, but let's now add that unique God factor into this. How is Christian encouragement different to the world's? See, Paul wasn't encouraging the Thessalonians to, say, be nice to each other for the sake of it. He was encouraging the church to get close to Jesus, to grow in their faith, to build God's kingdom, wasn't he? He had a purpose and the church had a goal. He wanted the church to spread the love of God to people around them and to be like Jesus to each other. He wanted to spur them on onwards to get close to God and to work better as a church so that God's kingdom would grow. And that's what we want too, isn't it? Isn't it? We're not being nice to each other just for the sake of it. We have a purpose here. We want God's kingdom to grow in Harlow and around these streets. And we want to see people saved. We want to see more people diving into that baptism pool there. And we want to see the fruit in people's lives that comes from giving ourselves to, to the Lord. 
And let's not forget that we're not just encouraging each other on a human level. We have the Holy Spirit in us to prompt us, don't we? Now, he may bring someone to mind who needs encouraging. He may give us the words to say to someone. He may give us a picture in our head to give someone. You know, when we give our lives to Jesus, God, or when you gave, when he gave, when you gave your life to Jesus, God came and he lives in you so he can now work through you. Now that should be encouraging in itself for you. Guys, let's say that again. You have got God inside you. Say to the person next to you, you've got God in you and you can do anything he wants. Now, Note, that's not how the world sees it. These days the world is saying you can do anything you want, but it's got no substance to back that up, has it? No, you have got the power of the creator of this world in you, the God who puts planets in their place, who made the world's best machine, that's you and me, from nothing. And if you match your desires with his, then you absolutely can do it. Perhaps you're having a hard time at work with friends, with your help. Well, take encouragement because he will help you. What encourages you in your faith? For me, it's people's testimonies of, uh, of, pe- of God working, of people meeting Jesus for the first time. For me, it's also hearing of people I knew decades ago who are now still following Jesus, still on fire. It's seeing God answer prayers. It's hearing about missionaries abroad. Good to hear about Richard and Louisa there. And Paul was encouraged by how the Thessalonian church was going. And again, unlike the world, I'm not going to say that encouragement is right 100% of the time. Because there are times that what we actually need is a little kick up the backside, isn't it? There are times when we do things that need to be called out as wrong. You know, in, in Revelations, there are letters to seven churches written by God, and not all of them are encouraging. So we sometimes do need to be told the cold truth, and the loving God will correct us when we need it. But think back to those park run marshals. That's, the, that's kind of what we need to be to each other, isn't it? We need to be cheering each other on towards the goal of getting close to God. Now, In the park, it's generally the older people who do the marshalling, who perhaps have their running days behind them. Well, as a Christian, you're never out of the race, but perhaps you're not quite the spring chicken you once were. Perhaps you feel like you aren't quite as capable of being on God's front line anymore. Well, maybe now is the time to become a marshal. Maybe your role could be more about guiding other people where to go and cheering them on. Maybe you could be someone's Christian mentor. And now, we're going to put a bit of this into practice. Because I would like us to spend a couple of minutes encouraging each other. We're going to have a time of chaos when I ask you to go and encourage someone, or maybe more than one person. You might just want to tell people, keep going, you're doing well. Or thank them for what they're doing for God. But you may also feel prompted by the Holy Spirit give some deeper words to someone who needs it right now. Might be someone you don't know even, because we've got some visitors here. Just as well, we've all got name badges on this morning, haven't we? So you can go and talk to someone you don't know and 
not feel embarrassed. So let's be open to the spirit here. Uh, I know it's not a very British thing to do, is it? Um, we have our reserves to get over. But please be brave. In fact, let's close our eyes and pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us now. Please encourage us personally, but also give us some encouraging words for others. Please prompt us who in this building needs to hear words to spur them on. Give us the words to, to, to give to them, please. So, please do now stand up. And I would invite you to go and encourage someone else. It could be the person next to you. It could be someone at the other side of the room. But I'm, even if it's just to say, thank you for what they do. Everyone stand on your feet. Quite finished. Oh, okay. Thank no, you. No, I encourage you. Lord, it's very good to actually have this encouraging time. Although there's so much tripe about that, you know, tripe. You can do whatever you want. You know, you can tell the kids this. It's total rubbish. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Order. Order. Go on, that, that, that's enough encouragement for today, thank you. Go on, can we, can we stop encouraging each other now, please? Oh. Sit down, everyone. I can't get a word in edgeways here. I need I need a teacher. 
Shout! Vera says I have to shout. Sit down, everyone. Okay. So, shush. Thank you. That's enough encouragement. Too much. Not allowed to have fun in church, are you? Okay, so well, that was encouraging in itself, wasn't it? So, I I am done. So, as the band comes back, and let's give them a clap. Go on, let's give the band a clap. They are good. Let's let's just finish this this talk. Well, a little challenge from me to think about who you can perhaps encourage this week. So. It could be various types of people. Possibly encourage parents. That can be quite difficult, can't it? Perhaps are there people that we've not seen here for a while that you could encourage with a text or a phone call? About people doing exams? What about frontline missionaries? Richard and Louisa is, is one couple. Perhaps encourage people who are new to Jesus? Perhaps encourage some, some people who might perhaps feel seem down. And also encourage yourself. Because you know where you've come from in your life. I'm sure you're doing well. So I'll leave that with you. But thank you guys. Over to you, John.